Has Kenny Pickett officially shown that he is not the answer for the Pittsburgh Steelers? We'll talk about that and so much more coming up next here on this episode of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to another episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday. That means you have me, Kevin Ostriker, the host of Locked On Ravens and one of the many NFL experts here on our network. We are free and available on all podcasts and platforms here on the Locked On Podcast Network, so be sure to follow along, subscribe, video form, audio form, the whole nine yards we have you covered here for the best daily NFL content. Today's episode of Lockdown NFL is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs wants to find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, but your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Lockdown NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash Lockdown NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're coming to you after Sunday's week 11 NFL action. It was another crazy wild week. And we got plenty to talk about here on the show today. So, we're first going to be diving into Kenny Pickett with Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers. Obviously, an underwhelming performance for the Steelers. And for Kenny Pickett, we're going to talk about if Kenny Pickett's the answer or not for the Steelers in the first part of the show. Then we'll move on to Daniel Wade of Locked On Chargers. We'll talk about Brandon Staley. Daniel and I have talked about this a lot, but they suffer a pretty heartbreaking loss to the Green Bay Packers. And then we'll flip over to the Packers side of things with Pete Bukowski of Locked On Packers in the final part of the show. Talk about if Green Bay is positioning themselves for the playoffs. So let's first get into our conversation with Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers. Well, the Pittsburgh Steelers suffer a brutal loss of the Cleveland Browns in week 11. Here to talk about that with me. And if Kenny Pickett is not the answer for the Steelers team, it's Chris Carter, the host of Locked On Steelers. And Chris, 13 to 10, the final. And Kenny Pickett, I wouldn't say was his best day, 15 to 28, 106. No touchdowns, no interceptions. But there's been a conversation in Pittsburgh about just how much leash you give to Kenny Pickett, especially with Pittsburgh standing. They still have a shot at the AFC North Division, especially with Joe Burrow going down, Deshaun Watson going down, Baltimore currently at the top. But I don't think this game by Kenny Pickett inspired much out of the Steelers' offense, especially one that I think has been struggling all season to find an identity. No, you're absolutely right. Um, You know, you have a game where he's this bad. And again, it's one thing to have bad statistics. It's another thing to miss open opportunities across the field and to miss basic open opportunities. You know, I, I would say if, if there's a, if there's a guy that develops late in the, in the play that maybe just broke open because of a miss of, of, of a you know a miscommunication in the, in the coverage scheme that and you had pressure in your face, there's a lot of mitigating circumstances. There are plenty of non mitigated circumstances where Kenny Pickett should make a play and doesn't, and that is what's killing the Pittsburgh Steelers offense right now. And you have a game where the Browns gave up over 170 yards on the ground. Nobody had run on them like that this season, and yet the Steelers couldn't do nothing with it. And that and that's that's the most frustrating thing for the Steelers and Najee Harris. You can even kind of see it in his in his face in the locker room after the game, just kind of being like, "I'm not going to say what anyone else does. I'm going to just say what I did this game because he's trying to stay away from saying anything that could be damaging." But to me, right now, it's a clear 
execution problem with Kenny Pickett. A lot of people want to point to Matt Canada, and I think Canada deserves blame for not teaching better to Kenny Pickett and not and not drilling it into him that these are the things he needs to see. But at the end of the day, you're a first-round draft pick quarterback, and a wide receiver like Deontay Johnson is wide open over the middle on a slant in the red zone, and literally no one's around him. You have to be able to make that easy of a throw, and he, could, he couldn't even see that. Now, Maybe Kenny Pickett figures it out at some point. We've seen bad quarterback play. You know, we saw Tua Tungabailoa struggle for quite some time in Miami until he started to figure it out and he got better. I'm not saying that Kenny Pickett's struggling the same way he struggled, but we have seen plenty of quarterbacks flip their play as their time went on in their career. Um, But Kenny Pickett, I'm not, I, I think he's got the rest of this season easily. Mitch Trubisky has been in and been a turnover machine when he's been on the field. You know, Mason Rudolph, they know isn't the guy. I think they're going to give him as much of a leash as they can this year, as long as he doesn't keep losing them games. Like if he's giving them absolutely nothing, then we might see something else. Um, But this is a Steelers team that, like you said, they're six and four. They're a game back of the Browns and they split the Brown the season, this this series season with the Browns. Um, And they have a, they have a schedule. They play a backup quarterback in the Bengals next week. They play the, the, the Cardinals the week after that, the Patriots the week after that, the Colts the week after that, they have a chance that if they win three out of those four games, they, they'll, they'll have nine wins going into the last three games of the season. And that's against, and that'll be a, again against the Bengals. And that'll be at home. That'll be against the Seahawks who have been kind of meh. And that'll be against the Ravens, which as you know, is always a coin flip, no matter where those two teams, two teams are. There's still a path forward for the Steelers right now, but it has to be with Kenny Pickett playing better than he is at this point in time. Yeah. And I think when you talk about, Pickett, there is what's happening now and then what it means for the future of the franchise because Pittsburgh obviously drafted him to hopefully be that, but he hasn't really shown much to warrant that conversation right now. But let's say that it doesn't work out in Pittsburgh for Kenny Pickett this year. He, he gives them nothing. They don't make the playoffs. It's some collapse when they clearly have a shot to make some noise here. With the draft class coming up that it is, which is a pretty strong quarterback class, all things considered, you got some free agents as well. Do you see Pittsburgh moving on from Kenny Pickett, bringing in competition to challenge Kenny Pickett that's not named Mitch Trubisky? Where do you go after the season, and do you say, well, he's just not the answer? I, I think that you explore your options. Like I think that he he's done nothing so far to prove to you that he is the guy. And quarterback is too important of a position to not continuously invest in there. You know, that's how the the, the Seahawks went and got – uh, Russell Wilson. That's how they got. That's how the the, the you know the, the Washington got Kirk Cousins. You know they had RG three. Everyone thought, why are you drafting Kirk Cousins in, in the third round? Oh, that's why. And you know the, the the Seahawks. They thought they had their guy in Matt Flynn. They just signed him to a big money contract. They draft they draft Russell Wilson. Oh wait a minute, that's why. So the Steelers are in a position, in my opinion, where if you go into if you don't see improvement by the end of the season, and again, there's still a good portion of half of the year left. Where if Kenny Pickett just figures it out a little bit. And just gives you what's there. Maybe it changes the conversation. But if this continues and we see games like this, he's now thrown one touchdown in his last, I think, six games. If we continue to see games like this, I fully expect the Steelers to be looking at this next quarterback class and wondering what they need to do, what they need to do uh, to, to get it. And they won't. It won't be like a situation where I think they sell the farm, but they'll be in a situation where if they see an opportunity to go get a, a, a serious talent at the position, they'll make that move to do so. But they'll also balance that against continuing to build the offensive line. 
building it, building it, you know, maybe reinvesting at linebacker, getting another cornerback if they see that as, as necessary. Um, but that's the other thing, as I think the Steelers, they have a lot of assets right now that line up for them. Uh, you have the edge rushers. I think the defensive line, you've, you've been bringing in younger people. Keanu Benton's had a really good year. Uh, Joey Porter Jr.'s looked good. Uh, I think DeMonte KZ and Minka Fitzpatrick are good safety tandem. Broderick Jones is clearly a boost on the offensive side of the ball. You're, you're bringing in talent, but you have to have a quarterback that can just do the basic things in the passing game. If you have that, this team's not only a playoff team, they're a serious problem for a lot of teams that they face. And you mentioned the schedule. You mentioned some of the talent that they still have there. There is still a shot that, again, you mentioned the stretch that they could potentially pull off to at least maybe have that Week 18 game against the Ravens mean something if they're close. The Steelers currently have the tiebreaker over the Ravens right now. What do you think the ceiling is for this team, considering what you've seen from Pickett? Obviously, Jalen Warren's been a revelation in the run game. Najee Harris has had, I'd say, some up-and-down moments throughout the course of the season. Where do you think Pittsburgh is right now in terms of what this season can be for them? I still think this is this can be a team that can win double digit wins. I, I don't. I, I I can see them easily going four and three down the stretch. Four and three makes them ten and seven right now. They did they did enough of a job early on this year to win some of the tough games. Games like the Ravens, game like the Browns, the first time time around. They've won enough of those games that they put them in the position where if they if they just stay a little bit above five hundred down this home stretch, you get double digit wins. And in my opinion, that gets you enough to be a wild card team in this year. But if they can just show improvement, and again. This is a game where the defense played very well despite missing that they at one point they were down to their fifth safety. Two of their starting linebackers are out. They're starting practice squad guys at, at, at that position right now. They had every reason to fold many times in this game against a really good rushing offense from the Browns, but they didn't. They stepped up in a lot of ways. Uh, the run game is, is, is coming along. I think if the receivers can be given a chance to make plays, they can be dangerous. This is still a Steelers team that I would not go into if I'm an opponent and say, oh, that's an easy win th th this week because they haven't been. Even in this, this game, the Browns barely squeaked away with, with this one. The Jaguars, it, they, it took them Kenny Pickett not being out in the second half for them to pull away in, in, in that one. I think that the Steelers, in large part, are going to give you a game every single week. It'll just be about can you limit your turnovers and can, and can they get just decent quarterback play from Kenny Pickett. If they do that, they're in every fight. I mean, and literally against every team I see in the NFL, I think that they, they if they can find a way to get that from the, from the, the way that they're playing, and if this run game continues to improve, they will be a threat throughout the year. So I still see this as a double-digit win team that finds a way to get into the playoffs. Major shout-out to Chris for his insight and for more on the Steelers. And Chris's work, check him out over at the Locked On Steelers podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up, though, we have a lot to talk about still. We'll talk with Daniel Wade about Brandon Staley and those Los Angeles Chargers. I'll be sure to stay tuned. Plenty to talk about here on Locked On NFL. First, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And these days, having a potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to always be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs wants to find the right people for your team faster and for free. And for me, I've had a ton of great experience over on LinkedIn, finding jobs, sending jobs to my friends and family when they need it. It's been a great thing to have. Plus, LinkedIn, it's really easy to create a free job post over there. Plus, you can go and add your job in the pro hashtag hiring for Andrew LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. They have simple tools you can use over there, like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with just based skills and experiences who prioritize who would like to interview and who would like to hire. It's really important to both start and end the year strong and the right team member might be able to help you do that. That's why small business rate landing jobs number one, delivering quality hires for sitting competitors. And it's jobs to find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Push your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL. Plus, LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL to push your job for free terms and conditions apply.
We're back. Our second segment, Locked On NFL. Kevin Allstriker still talking with you here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. We have a lot to get to still. Daniel Wade of Locked On Chargers will be helping us break down the whole Brandon Staley debate after the Chargers' heartbreaking Week 11 loss to the Packers. Let's talk about it now. Well, stop me if you heard this one before the Los Angeles Chargers lose a one-score game, this time in heartbreaking fashion to the Green Bay Packers. Here to talk about that with me, Brandon Staley, and more is Daniel Wade, one of the hosts of Locked On Chargers. And Daniel, it feels like it's gone this way for the Chargers in the Brandon Staley era. I know we've had this conversation time and time again, you and I, but after another game where the Chargers cannot get it done late, drops plagued this team and it feels like, again, Brandon Staley is the guy that everybody's pointing at. There were arguments about should he have been let go after that Jaguars playoff debacle. We've talked about it in the offseason. Now the season is here and the Chargers are on the outside looking in the playoff picture. Let's start with the game first. How did this one unfold for the Chargers to lose in such a heartbreaking fashion? I mean, it was a, a disaster all day. I mean, you could kind of see the writing on the wall throughout the game with key drops. I mean, especially with Keenan Allen, man. I mean, that man has been putting this offense on his back almost as much as Justin Herbert has. And he had three drops, two of them, which could have been touchdowns, both of those drive ends and field goals, right? But it was epitomized on that last drive. The Chargers have had a ton of late, you know, blunders in these games, not being able to find a way to pull these games out. And then you have it like so many things felt like they could have changed on that last drive. They could have changed the narrative, right? Justin Herbert could have taken a week off of getting blamed for the Chargers losses. And instead, those chances kind of clanked off the hands of first round pick Quentin Johnston, right? Which is kind of the epitome of his season so far is just not being able to kind of live up to what the Chargers drafted him to be in the first round right? and just showing he's not ready. But like, the narrative can change so much on one play, Kevin. Like, if Justin Herbert completes that pass to Quentin Johnson and he runs it in from a touchdown or for a touchdown, which probably would have happened where he was, right? No man to beat. The guy was behind him. Like, it, it, it's a season-saving catch, right? Quentin Johnson isn't getting labeled as a bust right now, but, like, that's just how the Chargers season has been. There's always something like that. Like, that's this is what the flavor is this week, but at the end of the day, this team can't beat good teams, right, which we've seen evidence throughout the season. And if you can't beat good teams, you better beat the bad teams and they lost to a bad team on Sunday. Yeah, and it's it's just brutal for a team that I think does have so much talent on both sides of the ball. They just have not been able to realize it in this Brandon Staley era. So for you, I know that, again, conversations have been had throughout the course of the last couple of seasons. I think the Jacksonville loss in the playoffs was the key. Should he be gone yeah. or should he not be? But in your opinion, Daniel, with everything that's gone on, has Brandon Staley lost the locker room? Is, is his tenure with the Chargers in serious jeopardy now of potentially being done maybe this week, maybe if they lose to Baltimore next Sunday night after that game? It's a great question. I mean, I, I think that it would be hard to defend him at this point. And I think you're looking at what the upside is of letting him go midseason. Like, I don't think he's truly lost the locker room. You're not seeing this team go out there and get dog walked, right? Like, the effort is still there for the most part. They're in all these games. They're just losing. I mean, if the Chargers, like, it, but at a certain point, something has to change. Like, you can't keep rolling this guy out there. And I mean, at this point, Brandon Staley is losing it on the media and his post game press conferences, right? Fighting back, telling reporters not to ask him questions about whether or not he should still be calling the defensive plays. Like, things are really, really starting to boil over. The Chargers locker room, 
a, just a silent kind of just grieving process after the game in this one. I don't know if he's lost the locker room, but like it would be totally defensible to let Brandon Staley go after that game. Four and six with this team that he has here right now with, you know, a lot of players that he's brought in at this point, a lot of defensive free agency additions they brought in to try to fit his scheme. And no matter who they put out there, the Chargers still have one of the worst defenses in the league. And that's what it comes down to. And in this game, obviously, Brandon Staley doesn't have anything to do with the drops that absolutely killed them, right? But what he does have to do with is the Chargers letting the Packers get over 20 points for the first time since week two, right? Letting Jordan Love have his first career 300-yard passing game. All of those things fall on the head coach, especially when he's a defensive-minded head coach. When you're the play caller, when you have, you know, three different rosters and every single one of them has been bad defensively, it's going to fall on you. I mean, Brain Staley at this point, it, it would be almost impossible to me for him to save his job at the end of the season. It's just now you're looking at what the benefits are of letting him go. And I think the biggest benefit of that would be letting Kellen Moore kind of have a test run at this head coaching thing, right? Because the Chargers offense has looked pretty good schematically over the last couple of weeks. They should have put up 30-plus points this week. They put up 38 points last week. He would have a good chance to be able to show the Chargers he could be a head coach over these last, you know, eight or seven games of the season. So I think you would absolutely have to think about it, and I think it would be totally defensible if that's the way they go. Yeah, and you mentioned Kellen Moore there, and I know it's so hard to blame just one person for, sure. you know, a team's shortcomings. But let's say they just ride it out with Brandon Staley for the rest of the season, or they give Kellen Moore that interim tag. At the end of the year, if things don't go according to plan, if it's another disappointing year, would you welcome a full coaching revamp on both sides of the ball? Yeah, I think you would. I mean, I think, you know, if the offense can really continue to click now that Justin Herbert's healthy, right, which he's been the last couple of weeks and how well they've looked, I get, do you want to rip Justin Herbert away from another offensive system? I mean, Kellen Moore is his third offensive coordinator, and this is year four for Justin Herbert, right? So, like, are you going to redo the whole offense again and have Justin Herbert learn his fourth new offense in five seasons? Like, that's the question you're asking there. I mean, if Kellen Moore can keep it up, you'd think he would have to be able to throw his hat in the ring, but, like, when you're looking at a, an organization like this that has failed so systematically, right, there's not one place that you can point to being the problem. It feels like a total revamp is necessary. It feels like you have to clean house. It feels like you have to go in another direction because this team under Brandon Staley, there's been a lot of talk, you know, and a lot of positive momentum over those first couple of years. But now in 2023, ever since that collapse in the playoffs, like things seem to be regressing like this team is four and six now. The AFC is wide open, and the fans have no hope that this team can stay in the mix because the Chargers can't beat these good teams, and now they're just losing in only ways the Chargers can be able to lose. So Kellen Moore, you would think, would be able to at least get an interview in that process if the Chargers do decide to let go Brandon Staley. But if not, the Chargers' ownership, right? I mean, and it's not just Brandon Staley. It's Tom Telesco who has to get looked at, too. Is he going to get his fourth opportunity to bring in a new head coach, right? Or does he have to go, too? Like, there's a lot of questions that have to be answered, but if the Chargers do decide to clean house, they better leave no stone unturned because you have another franchise quarterback. You have another superstar quarterback, and you can't do him the way that you did just or Phillip Rivers, right, where it just you never had enough around him. You can't waste another kind of, you know, generational type of talent with Justin Herbert. It can't happen. If the Chargers do go away from Staley, they better make sure they get it right this time. Daniel, always with that Chargers insight, major shout out to him. And for more on Daniel's work, check him out over on the Locked On Chargers podcast. 
part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We still got a little bit to talk about here on the show. Don't go anywhere. Peter Bukowski of Lockdown Packers will join us and we'll talk Packers and if they're positioning themselves for a playoff run. So be sure to stay tuned. A lot to get to here on Lockdown NFL. First, this episode is brought to you by DoorDash, and I'm a big food guy. Just uh, I love food, and when I'm watching games, sometimes the game will go to a timeout, or it'll be halftime, and I know that's when I want to get something to eat, but I'll go, and there'll, there'll be nothing there, nothing good for me to eat. That's when I know it's time to order in with DoorDash, and so there are a bunch of ways you can go with DoorDash. Maybe you want the game day package. You can get pizza, wings, soda, burgers. DoorDash can get that all delivered to you without missing the game, or if you're a snacks guy, I'm, I'm a big snacks guy. You can get the chips, the dips, the nachos, everything you need to make your own nachos on DoorDash over there as well. You can kick back the kickoff with unbeatable deals and everything you need for the watch party or the tailgate. So get 50% off of the $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23. Exchange terms apply. Plus, you can get prepared for game day. Stock up on your favorite appetizers and order all your tailgate gear on DoorDash and get ready to watch your team win. Again, there's 50% off of the $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23. Exchange terms apply. One more time, don't forget to use promo code LOCK23 or 50% off of the $10 value when your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $50 or more stuff exchange terms apply. For background and not locked on NFL, Kevin Ostriker still talking with you here on this Monday. Again, thank you everybody for tuning in, making Locked On NFL your first destination every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on audio form, same show, both audio and video. You're not missing out either way, whether you want to watch one day or listen another. Let's talk about Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers. Green Bay's had an up and down year going into the Jordan Love first year experiment. We'll talk about their big whatever the charges and what it means to their future prospects of the playoffs coming up now. Well, the Green Bay Packers pick up a last second win over the Los Angeles Chargers, a key drop at the end by Quentin Johnson seals it for Green Bay here to talk about the Packers in general with me is Peter Bukowski, the host of Locked On Packers. And Pete, I know there's been a lot of conversation about the Packers and just where they kind of stack up in the NFC this year. First year without Aaron Rodgers, the Jordan Love show has been going on. How'd they pull this one out? Because it was a drop fest by the Chargers, but the Green Bay comes out on top. They did enough. Yeah, you know, this was very similar to what we've been seeing for the Packers over the last month and a half in games where they play pretty solid ball. And then at the end, the other team has a chance to win or they have a chance to win. And the, the last team with the ball can't get it done. And unfortunately for Green Bay, for most of those games, it was the Packers who couldn't get those uh, clutch situations to go their way. In this one, it was the Chargers. And I guess the moral of the story is you can't out Chargers the Chargers. That was what happened in this one. The Packers, I'm sure, feel very lucky to have won this game. They played very well. Jordan Love, outstanding in this football game. But... The Chargers had every single possible opportunity to win it, including, as you mentioned, that job, Quentin Johnston, in an absolute dime from Justin Herbert, who all day long was doing everything. I mean, a Herculean, someone get that guy into the cryo chamber. He needs the all of the, like, you know, a therapeutic massage. He needs all the chiropractor because his shoulders have to be so sore from carrying this team all day. And yet it wasn't enough. Uh, the Packers just have to feel lucky that they were on the other end of that 
so far this season because they have not been lucky enough to be in that situation so far. Hey, you mentioned Jordan Love. What did you see from him on Sunday that maybe gave him a little hope for what this could be in the future? This was, I think, the first game where, maybe with the possible exception of the Pittsburgh Steelers game, where you saw the second half play. The Packers have been a second half offense all season long. They have been a top five offense by EPA per play in the second half all year uh, and a bottom five offense in the first half all year. And you go, why doesn't it translate? How can they be so good in the second half? And then the following week, they just look lost in the first half. And you saw it really translate in this one, uh, a missed field goal, uh, a missed extra point, or they would have looked much better in the first half uh, in terms of points. But the third straight week, they, they get to at or near 400 yards. I think they're 391, 399, and 397 in terms of total yardage the last three weeks. 66 total points, though. Yeah, that's the that's the fewest number of points they could possibly score accumulating that many yards. It's been kind of crazy. Jordan Love looked comfortable. And it's not a coincidence, Kevin, that the best we've seen these rookie pass catchers play, Dontavian Wicks, Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Kraft gets involved in this one. Malik Heath even comes in, undrafted rookie free agent from Ole Miss, comes in and makes a play. And you're just like, yeah, that's what this team can look like. It's not a coincidence that their best stretch of games happens to also be Jordan Love's best stretch of games. And then you get your second-year pass catchers, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson. They get in the end zone in this one. This is the version of the Packers offense we thought we'd see a little bit sooner. But now that we're seeing it, you go, oh, oh, wow. Like this, this could really be a fun thing moving forward. And you mentioned the youth. You mentioned these one-score games the Packers have played in. Now, when you talk about the playoffs, obviously those games become gritty. They, some of them are those one-score grinded-out games. Do you think the play style the Packers are playing with right now that they have had, is that sustainable if they can get into the playoffs? Why not? I mean, it has, it, they went to Pittsburgh against T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith and Cam Hayward and Mike Tomlin and that team, and Jordan Love looked really good. Now, they lost that game because the Pittsburgh Steelers had some sort of like deal with the devil. I don't know exactly you know, what, the, what the terms of that contract are. They must It must have run out, like did not include Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I don't know exactly what the situation was there, but it, like it, it, it works. And, and the Chargers are not the world's best defense. This is not the 2000 Ravens by any means, and this is not the 85 Bears by any means. But Jordan Love lit them up. And that's without your your star left tackle. It's without Aaron Jones. You you look at the NFC right now. If the playoffs ended today or started today, the Packers would be the eighth seed. Now that's not in the playoffs, but that's just outside the playoff picture. Looking in, I don't know. Are you that impressed by the Seattle Seahawks? Um, is is could could the the Minnesota Vikings turn back into pumpkins? Like it seems like it's it's 1:30 in the morning and Cinderella is still at the ball somehow. I don't understand that quite exactly, but this this Packers team, I think the best version of them, you look at the last 5 games that they have on their schedule. I mean, Carolina's on the schedule. You've got Chicago, you've got Tampa Bay, you've got Minnesota. Like they they've got winnable games. Stealing this one, they actually have a chance here even if they lose to to the Lions this week and they lose to the Chiefs 10 days later, they have an outside chance. They could run the slate. Aaron Rodgers once said, I think we're going to run the table. 
they could win their last five games and it is a non-zero chance. If they go nine and eight, they have a chance to get into that seven seed. And are they going to, are they going to beat, you know, a 49ers team in San Francisco or, or a Philly team in Philly? No, they're not, but it would be invaluable to this organization, to this culture, to Jordan love, to Christian Watson, to Jaden Reed, to all these guys who are young players. The Packers care about culture and, and building those kinds of things. I, I think it would be awesome for them to make that push. And even if they they come up short and they win seven games or eight games to do that from where they were uh, and where they are now, I think would be a, a hell of an accomplishment. And I think would really create some momentum for them moving forward. Packers have a lot on their plate, especially as they look to make that playoff run and balance a very young team, but Peter doing a great job breaking it all down. So for more of Peter's work, check him out over the Locked On Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's all I have for you here today, though, on Locked On NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Be sure to subscribe, follow along as well, audio form, video form, here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Coming up tomorrow, more NFL content with your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked On NFL.